Hi, and welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I cover all eras of movies there, but here I'm covering films of the 1980s. Today we're going to be looking at a film that is the third part of a three-part series looking at films featuring cyborgs. I covered RoboCop last week. I covered the film appropriately called Cyborg. This one I'm going to be reviewing today is a little bit more obscure. It's kind of a deep dive. It's called Hands of Steel. It was originally called in Italy Vendetta dal Futuro. It also has been released in a variety of other names on video, streaming, or in other parts of the world. Atomic Cyborg, Fists of Steel, and Return of the Terminator are some of the more common ones. It's an R-rated film. It does have strong violence, some nudity, and language. The runtime is an hour and 34 minutes. The main star is Daniel Green, with supporting roles going to Janet Agron, John Saxon, Claudio Casolini, George Eastman, Roberto Bisaccio, Amy Werba, and Donald O'Brien. The director is Sergio Martino, who also contributes to the screenplay, along with Elisa Briganti, Saul Sasha, and John Crowther. Hands of Steel, the title that I'm going to be calling it for today's review. It's an Italian-produced film. It's obviously influenced by James Cameron's The Terminator, which came out in 1984. If you combine that with the basic plot of First Blood, you really have Hands of Steel kind of in a nutshell. It's set in the near future. The marketing of this film lists the year as 1997, so a little bit over a decade after the film's release into theaters. We find this very beefy thug. He's been brainwashed by this evil head of a pollution-spewing corporation called the Turner Foundation, which is led by Francis Turner, played by John Saxon. We soon learn that this beefy thug has been brainwashed to assassinate a popular ecological guru who's leading this environmental movement that's set to make major radical changes to the drastically worsening country and world, really. He's no ordinary beefy thug. His name is Paco Querwack. He's this war veteran that was left for dead before getting his body used for a radical cyborg assassin experiment that renders him with this electronic mind and a body of hardened steel underneath his very human-like skin and exterior. However, at the last second, his human side begins to question what he's doing. It leaves him on the run from this organization that made him in order to hide their tracks. Paco goes on the lam to his old stomping grounds in Arizona, where He meets this lovely motel and bar owner named Linda, who offers him room and board in exchange for doing some chores around the property. Meanwhile, Paco engages the locals in arm wrestling contests that he can easily best them in. And while that's going on, he's also being pursued by a world-class hitman and also the FBI. There's a lot more to this story than you would suspect at first glance. The arm wrestling, I think, is the most curious part of it. Sergio Martino, he's an Italian director. He's really prolific, made a lot of B-movies. He's a maestro known for writing trends in giallo-style action, science fiction, western horror flicks, a lot of genre flicks under his belt. He spins them into these low-budget knockoffs that capitalize on a ravenous public's thirst for more when they see a very popular movie in these genres. Martino would direct several such features every year throughout the 70s and into the early 80s. Sometimes he used a pseudonym. He slowed down his output later to try to concentrate a little bit more on better quality as he would get into Hands of Steel. 
Hands of Steel probably ranks among the most well-known of the films that he's directed, even though a lot of people would find it very obscure on its own. Hands of Steel would star the hunky, muscle-bound Daniel Green in the lead role. He's a former Florida State defensive back. He turned actor sometime later. He had been having some success on television. He was a recurring truck-driving character named Dwayne Cooley in the popular nighttime soap called Falcon Crest. Hands of Steel would give him one of the rare leading roles in his career, with more people likely recognizing him for his small appearances in cult favorite comedies later from the Farrelly Brothers in films like Kingpin and Me, Myself, and Irene. Truth be told, what Green has in physical presence, he does lack somewhat in charisma. It makes him kind of a perfect person to cast in this cybernetic entity who struggles with showing or perhaps having emotions to share. He does labor to stay credible when it's written for his character to have romantic feelings toward the motel owner who helps him out later, which in terms of Terminator comparisons, it's kind of like if Arnold Schwarzenegger were trying to take on playing the Kyle Reese role for a while halfway through the movie. Although this is an Italian film, Hands of Steel does benefit from locale work that includes Arizona and some shots of the Grand Canyon. Tragedy, unfortunately, would strike the production when the supporting actor Claudio Castellini would end up losing his life. A helicopter that he was on ran a little too close to the Navajo Bridge in northern Arizona. The rotor blades struck the underside, and that resulted in the helicopter crashing into the canyon below, killing the pilot as well as Casolini. John Saxon was written to have been on that helicopter. However, he was spared that ill fate. Casolini's role was created because John Saxon is a SAG member, the Screen Actors Guild. He would not shoot in the United States for a non-union film like Hands of Steel, because he feared he would get kicked out of the guild. So all of his scenes were shot in Italy, and he was not able to assume that role. While it was a tragedy for Casolini, it also left open a logic loophole within the movie that this world-class assassin could have been hired from the get-go to take out this environmental leader instead of wasting a lot of time and money on this very risky brainwashed cyborg scheme. He wouldn't have had a movie, though, if that were to happen. Now on the downside for this film, the acting is very stiff, no help really comes from the obvious overdub of nearly every character. Only John Saxon appears to look like the words are actually coming out of his mouth at the time he says them. Special effects here fare a little better, including some sort of thermal computer device that looks like it was created for the Atari 2600. And in one of the film's more audacious of surprises that will delight those who love this film for its weirdness, there's this bazooka-caliber gun that shoots lasers with this ultra-destructive power, we even learned that Paco is not the only cyborg in town and that not all of them come as beefy as he's made up, including ones who look identical to Daryl Hannah's Pris from Blade Runner with see-through plastic skirts and metal claws on her fingers. The ending also leaves this film with a whimper instead of a bang with this freeze frame of the words, It was a day in our near future. The era of the cyborg had begun. And if you get to this point, you're probably thinking what I'm thinking, which is, huh? And that might cause those who might be on the fence about how to feel overall about Hands of Steel, like me, left a little bit deflated that there wasn't much of a game plan for the film prior to the day that they actually started to roll film. All in all, I think fans of action-oriented B-movies are going to get some mileage out of this gloriously odd premise, but it is slim pickings for mainstream audiences or those who don't regularly feast on drive-in cinema. However, for those who want to get some mileage describing to their co-workers about that crazy movie I watched last night, I think there's more than enough insanity, as well as its inanity, 
within Hands of Steel to make for an amusing anecdotal film discussion for those who enjoy that sort of thing. I'm not going to go so far as to say this is a good film or even one I would recommend to most people, but it is an enjoyable and watchable one nonetheless for a B-movie. And taken on those terms, I don't think it was actually striving to be a great movie. I think it was just trying to fill a niche. And it does it better than a lot of other knockoffs I've seen of The Terminator. And that's enough for me to give Hands of Steel two and a half stars out of four. Two and a half stars on my scale means that I do think it had the tools, it had the talent to be a film I could recommend to most people, but it just falls short because it is very derivative. It is hokey. It is corny. And that would probably keep most people from thinking it was a good movie. However, I do realize that it is those qualities that I just mentioned that will also make people who like bad movies like Hands of Steel. It's silly, but in all the best ways. And that's enough for me to give it two and a half stars out of four. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. As far as what I'm going to be covering next week, well, we had three cyborg films. Why not continue this film with the film that actually inspired it to be made? It is James Cameron's The Terminator from 1984, kicking off a new trilogy of films for next week. If you haven't seen that film in a while, I do encourage you to check that out and listen to my review on the next episode. The Terminator from 1984. Just a little hint, it's one of my top 10 favorite films of all time. So I'm really looking forward to diving deep into that film on next week's episode. If you want to write to me, you can find my contact information on my website. That's at quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, you can also find a link to my other podcast. It's called the Quipster Film Review Podcast, where I cover films that are currently out in theaters, as well as a back catalog of movies that have come out over the last three years or so. So check that out at quipster.net. Until next time, thank you everyone for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. <laughs>